You're listening to the Anchor Oneana Podcast. For more information, visit us online at anchoroneana.com. Oh, it's so good to see the church outside the four walls, isn't it? Come on, isn't it? It was kind of interesting because this last week God just kind of gave me this thing. And I started sharing it with my church on Thursday, and then I had a, a, yesterday I had a, a time of experience in it. But God is calling us, you know, to a place where we're almost like a wedge. Now, wedge is like, you talk about people being a wedge, could be a negative thing. But God is calling us to be a wedge and a positive thing. He's calling us to really, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's at your school, whether it's um, out in the park here, you know, God has called us to kind of get in between groups of people. Maybe it's the college kids and you're like not even in college. God will make you a wedge to give you uh, an opportunity to really share with people your faith. I believe God's going to do that more and more as you're open to the Lord and you're being led by the Lord. It's kind of interesting because yesterday I was invited to open up prayer at a motorcycle rally and there was like 800 bikers. So when I got up in the morning, I was like, I don't even know what this is going to look like. So I asked my wife, do I have any leather? You know, I wanted to look like, you know, I wanted to be a part. She goes, no, we don't have no leather. I said, do I have any mean looking shirts? And she goes, no, no, no. So I had one shirt with Rocky Balboa on. I said, that's close enough. So I wore my Rocky Balboa t-shirt, you know, and I went there. And even with that shirt, I didn't fit. I was like, just so different than the big tats, the big beards, the guys riding the bikes. But, somebody say, but, Jesus. Come on. And so I just was there and nobody was really kind of paying attention to me. Nobody was saying hi. You know what what I'm saying? It's just like, but God has created us to be a wedge. And I just wedged myself right in there. I was just loving on people and just, you know, thanking the Lord. And then um, they asked me to come up and, and kick the, the motorcycle rally off in prayer. So when I got up there, I just asked the Lord. And I was just like, you know, first of all, uh, the proceeds were going to a wounded warrior, a guy that got um, paralyzed from uh, being overseas and fighting for, you know, what we do in America, peace and, and trying to do what we do and for our for our armed forces. And my dad and I shared a story about, listen guys, I was born on a base, raised on bases. I said, my dad did 29 years. He was a wounded warrior. But I said, you guys are all here with such big hearts to support this young man. And I said, I just want to tell you something. I feel honored and I just really feel blessed because he's one of my heroes to be able to put himself out there for others. And the one thing that he told me before I was talking to him, he said, you know what? I'm just excited about being able to come next year and support someone else. And I was so blessed by that. And I just shared, I said, I, I looked around and when we sang the national anthem, you all had your hands on your heart. Every one of these bikers had their hand on their hearts. Every one of them took their hats off. And I said, you know what? I just honor you guys for that. And I just bless you. And I said, I just want to share with you for one minute, my wounded hero, my wounded hero, was wounded for your transgressions, was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him, and yet by his stripes, I was healed, you were healed. And I said, I want to tell you something. I'm just here to honor you guys, 
I see your hearts to bless you guys, but I want you to know there's a wounded hero that you need to take notice. And so I just was had opportunity and prayed for them all. And you want to know something? When I was done with that, I was just a part of the biker gang. They were all coming up with me. They were all coming up. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. See, God's love creates a wedge where you can wedge anywhere you desire. You don't have to feel out of place. Come on. And so if you're open to God, he's going to put you in the most peculiar places. He called Saul, Paul, and who was he ministering to? Come on. He'll put you in the weirdest places for his glory because he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. So I want you to listen close. I want you to know that God's called you. Be worthy of his calling in Ephesians it talks about. You're like that pebble that gets thrown into that little brook there, or lake there, whatever. And it, and, it, and it makes a ring, and then it makes another ring, and another ring. As you allow God, your influence is going to get larger and larger. And when you come out here, come on, this is what God wants. If there's only one that's affected. But I like when the gospel is brought out into the air. Amen? Come on. He's called you to make a difference. That's what tears down race. That's what tears down rich and poor. That's what makes way. God's love. And I know you guys are all filled with his love. And when I found out I had an opportunity to come, I love coming because you got the most awesome pastor. Just so filled with the love of God. He's, he's awesome, man. And I know for some reason he really loves me. I told I said on the way down, I, I hardly get any of Don's jokes. So sometimes he has to tell me when to laugh. Uh, I just want to be honest. So, hey. (laughs) So, I met this guy, Chris Taff, I don't know, seven years ago or something. And um, he really impressed me because he was humble. He was filled with God's love. And his story is incredible. And like um, Dennis was sharing, I think, about 100 meetings. We did. We did so many meetings. But it was so interesting because God's anointing was on every meeting. We were in the Boys and Girls Club. The stands were filled. And these are inner city kids, young and old. And every single kid was watching in full attention. It was awesome. Shared his life testimony, shared some of his story, had questions afterwards. And some of the questions were so, so right on, on the spot. These kids opened their hearts up. They were, it was just awesome. But what impressed me about Chris is he was raised in New York City by his mom and grandma. He never had a father. He didn't let that stop him from seeing his dream come true. Only 1%, only 1% that play basketball make it in the NBA. He was that 1%. Yet, I love the story. He didn't have a plan B, he only had a plan A. How many know if we don't have a plan B, he's got it? Come on. How many know when you don't have a plan B, he's got it? And most of the time, he's got the plan A too. But no matter, he didn't give up. He didn't quit. His story is incredible. His heart is incredible. He's just so awesome. He's got kids that love God, his wife. And um, you're going to get blessed. Are you ready for this? Come on, you're going to get blessed. I believe this is a divine appointment from God. I believe it is. 
because we called and I guess it was a, the, the, the person who was supposed to speak wasn't going to be able to speak. And, and here we are calling at a Kairos moment so you guys can be blessed and you can hear this story that's totally incredible and you can apply it to your life to say, wait a second, maybe I've had some dreams shattered, but it's okay because God's taken me beyond my shattered dreams. Are you with me tonight? Come on. God bless you guys. We love you guys. Chris Taft. And by the way, I did beat him in horse. Yeah, I did. I beat him in horse. I did. I beat him in horse. See, pastor's impressed. Man. Yeah, come on. Now he'll tell the story. I never let him. I never, I never give him a rematch. But that's okay. If you, if you, if you quit a winner. Whoa. No. I'm, I'm messing with him. Because he's so much smaller than I am. Amen. Give him a, give him a warm welcome. For a second, I was like, PC may not mention the horse game, but I should have known better. But um, I just was being smart. I just met PC. I wanted to do great things with him, and um, I didn't want him to, you know, if he'd have won, he probably wouldn't have had me back. So I had to let him. I had to let him feel good about it. You know what I mean? I had to let him feel good about it. But he, like he said, he refused to play me again, and I wonder why that is. He doesn't talk about I couldn't dunk, I couldn't do certain layups. He had rules in this horse game. I didn't know you could do that, but I guess in horse you got all these different rules. You know, PC's world, we're just in it, so it's all good. It's all good. But um, I'm so thankful for this week. Like PC said, um, we've been all over this week, and God has moved. God has moved amazingly. And I want to share a couple of stories that has happened this week. Um, when I spoke on Tuesday and I shared my story, and I played basketball with the kids first, I had a um, girl come up to me. And talk about her hand kept shaking. She kept, she was, she was in pain. And I had me and I had Colin, who I was with, praying over her. And by the end of the night, her hand stopped shaking. And she stopped having pain. And that right there was powerful. I had somebody come up to me on Wednesday and say, because of my story, they wanted to act more on faith and tell more of the people in the world that they knew about God. Those are powerful, powerful things that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for people like Pastor Charlie. It wasn't for people all around here making it possible for me to come here. It wasn't for God's mercy. I wouldn't have been able to even be here and do these things that I'm doing this week. My nephew that's here with me, 11 years old, um, he's in Pittsburgh, and God told me to make sure he came here with me. And I called his mom, and I said, I'm going to need you to okay him to be with me for two weeks. And me, that's a long time. And that's our only son. And my brother, who's three years older than me, who is um, the, fa- the father, they have a tough relationship. So I thought it was going to be a problem, him being able to hang with me for two weeks. But I prayed and prayed about it for a long time. And I was expecting some issues. And it was kind of too easy. Like, she agreed with it. I almost feel like she had his backpack just waiting for somebody to call and be like, could somebody take him for a couple of weeks? And it was powerful. It was powerful. He's talking about church. He's talking about wanting to know more about God. He's talking about when he gets back, he's going to talk to his mom about going to church. And I was just following the Holy Spirit. I was just doing what I felt like I needed to do for my nephew. And God has already moved with that. And I'm so thankful for that. And... That's the type of week that's happened so far. And I look forward to the rest and what God is going to do. But I'm going to share my testimony and tell you how I even got to the point of where I'm at right now. Like Pastor Charlie said, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. My mother, grandmother, and my aunt 
one of the times I spoke, I think I might have not mentioned my aunt a long time ago. And then she called me because she heard about it. She's like, you're just going to not mention me? So I make sure that I do never forget that again because they, my aunt is crazy, man. I guess she's crazy. She's ghetto crazy, too. But she's, I don't mess with her. I don't mess with her. But um, they raised me. They did a great job by me. And I don't know what I would do without basketball without them. At that time, basketball kept me out of trouble. It kept me out of the streets. It kept me happy. I love playing sports. I love football, and I really love basketball. And um, my cousins, people in my family who I love to death, was doing things that they probably shouldn't have been doing just to survive, just to make ends meet. And I saw how much that hurt my mother. I saw how much that hurt my grandmother and my aunt, just seeing that, not knowing if they was going to get a bad phone call. And I just wanted to be the one person that could do something positive in their life. So they can know, they can count on Chris will be over here across the street playing basketball. He'll be at somebody's house eating because I was always hungry. No wonder why. But they knew I was trying to do the right thing. I had a goal and I had a dream. I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to go to college. I loved my projects. I loved where I grew up, but I wanted something better. I love basketball. My mother told me, and I understood her situation financially. It would have been hard for me to, hard to afford for me to go to college. So that gave me the more, you know, focus on, like, I got to do what I got to do to play basketball. At the time, I was first in my family to go to college. Nobody in my family went to college. And I'll never forget this day. My first college level I ever got was from the University of Temple. Then after that, I got recruited by every other school but Duke. I joke and I say Duke didn't recruit me because they don't recruit in the hood. They don't want to deal with that. I don't know if it's the attitude, uh, you know, made us get yelled at for no reason because he was having a, I don't know what it was, but they just didn't want to recruit us. But I decided to go to the University of Pittsburgh. I felt like it was my time to do that. My high school coach was a father figure to me. The coaches, the family, everybody in my high school was great. And I didn't know then what it was now, but it was the Holy Spirit in me making me to trust the right people, allowing me to stay away from certain situations. I remember three weeks before I went to my college visit, I'm at a park playing basketball, and after I go to a hangout spot we had in our projects, and I'm just hanging out, just chilling, hanging out, talking. And something just told me to just leave. I don't know what it was. And I got a one other person to come with me. It was probably about 12 of us. And I was like, hey, let's just go over here. Let's go shoot. Let's go for a walk. Like, why do you want to go? We're having a good time here. I, I don't know why, but something just telling me to leave. Then when I leave, I hear about something bad happen. I hear about a shoot. I hear about bad things happening. And I could have been there, but I wasn't there because God protection was over me even then. I wasn't going to church then. I had no relationship with God then, but God had plans for me. God knew I would be here right now. So he had to make sure I was okay. That's the awesome, awesome God that he is. And I always try to seek that because I really believe we all got to get to a point where we become obsessed with the Holy Spirit. With allowing the Holy Spirit to use us, to guide us in everything that we're doing. And we all got to work on that because I'm still working on that. But after two years in college, I feel like I was ready to go pro. I felt I was ready to attack and challenge my main goal and dream at the time of playing in the NBA. 
And a lot of people in my life at the time, they didn't think I was ready. They didn't think I was good enough. When I first started playing ball, I wasn't all of that good. And growing up in New York, you can't play. Everybody and mama lets you know you can't play for some reason. But I used that as motivation. And I kept working and working. So I didn't go in the first round, but I wanted to get drafted by the Golden State Warriors. Had my dream come true. I heard my name. A powerful, amazing accomplishment. But during my rookie season, I got hurt and I got injured. First time I ever got injured, I hurt my back. Going up for a dunk in the summer league, I just heard a noise in my back. My whole, I just fell straight down. Rehabbing to come back because basketball at the time was all I knew was my plan A. Like how people say sometimes, whatever you worship or spend most of your time with, that's what you're looking at as your God. That's what you're worshiping so much. So for me, that was basketball. And then just like that, it could have been taken away. So I said, no, I got to get back. I'm taking care of my mother, grandmother, aunt. All of a sudden, I got 80 cousins now once I went pro. I didn't have that many. I thought I had like 20, 25. What did it, how did it almost jump four times? Like once they heard my name, everybody's related to me now. But I had that heart. I had that giving heart. I wanted to help. If you was in need and I could help you, I wanted to help you. And God gave me that, and I'm so thankful for that. But at the same time, people could use that and do things they shouldn't be doing. They could take advantage of me for that. But I wanted to get back and play basketball. So I rehabbed to come back, but then I hurt my back again. This time I had nerve damage down my leg. Went to see four different doctors. They all said I needed surgery. I didn't want to do the surgery. But I didn't have no choice because I wasn't getting better. Going into my surgery and definitely after I started having muscle weakness and pain that had nothing to do with my back. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. That's why whenever I hear great worship like I've been hearing today, I'm always walking around raising my hands thankful because there was a point in my life when I literally couldn't even lift my hands up. And God saw me through that. God healed me and I'm able to do that whenever I want to do that. But they told me I would never play basketball again. I'd never walk without pain again. Professionally. I would struggle. I see a Syracuse shirt right there, and I used to have a joke and say that um, the doctor was a Syracuse alum trying to hurt my feelings because I, just, I chose to go to Pittsburgh. So he said every negative thing he could say to me to try to get to me. But I use all of that as motivation. If you tell me I can't do something, that's going to make me want to do it more. Nobody has overcome this. Well, I believe I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to do everything I can in the natural. I had no relationship with God when I was told this in 2006. No relationship with God. I just was an athlete. This was a person who believed they can overcome and come back. But I was also a human being and a person who was in the hospitals weeks and weeks and months at a time getting 300 milligrams of prednisone, put on 80 pounds, getting IVs every single day. And the family and people who I was taking care of and helping, not, nobody came to visit me in California. My wife, who I was dating, amazing, amazing woman of God, amazing person. She dropped everything and she came to see me and she stayed with me. And she's reading scriptures to me in the hospital. She's praying over me. I knew nothing about these things. So when I'm sleeping, I'm hearing noises. I'm like, what's that? She said, don't worry about it. You're talking to yourself. 
because she didn't want to tell me what it was right away. So when I talk about following the Holy Spirit and listening to God, she knew I wouldn't have been able to receive that. I wouldn't have been ready to take that. So she kind of shielded me from it, reading the children's Bible, helping me understand. And I'm like, man, I got to make some changes in my life. I got to stop hanging around certain people. I got to watch what I'm listening to. I got to watch the words that's coming out of my mouth. I have to make changes. And I'll never forget this day. June 24th, 2007, I gave my life to Christ. And I've been rolling with him since. And doctors said that my autoimmune disease I was dealing with could never be cured. It could only be controlled with medicines and IVs. God literally touched me and healed me. And it's been well over seven, eight years. I'm on no medicines. I'm getting no IVs. I'm not even seeing a rheumatologist because I have my doctor. Jesus is my doctor. His word is my medicine. I don't need anything else. I'm good. I'm going to focus and stick with that every time. Even during this week, I'll share it on Facebook. My back started hurting out of nowhere. I just laughed. Come on, devil. You got to do better than that. Like, I already know what you're doing. Like, now I know I'm on the right path. I feel like if I'm just going on and on and nothing has happened to me, no attacks, no bad news, no nothing, I feel like I'm, I'm moving the wrong way. Like, I, I want to know and hear that something happened. I'm like, now I know. Devil's scared. He's nervous. I'm about to do something amazing. He's trying to stop me from doing it. And it's not going to work. That's why I have my kids with me this week. That's why we did that this week. Because it's about the kingdom. It's about having more and more warriors and more soldiers out there. It's about making sure the future is ready because we need them. We need all of those kids. We need everybody here. But there's the things we got to do in our life. Just like we got to overcome, just like we need healing, because everybody has something they're going through. Mine's was physical. Somebody's could be emotional, spiritual, mental. Any, anything is going on. But there's nothing that God can't see you through. And I want everybody to understand that. It's nothing too big for God. Don't blame yourself. Blame the devil. I love blaming him for stuff. It could be the littlest things like, yeah, it's all you. I know there's some things I got to do, but I know what you're trying to do to me. You're trying to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm not going to do that. When I need you, I know the scriptures I can go to. Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I needed that strength to get through, and I got that strength. Proverbs says, trust the Lord for your heart. All, it doesn't say half or most or 92%. All of it. And lean not to your own understandings. There's key words in that. That we got to get to and we got to understand. There's scriptures for any and everything you got going on. You just got to go to it. So I'm so, so thankful for what God has done in my life, what he continues to do in my life. And I will never forget the most spiritual thing I feel and I was told that we can do in our lives is encourage someone. I believe the second most spiritual thing that we can do is forgive someone. And it took me a long time to get to the forgiving part because I had a huge issue with my father. 
I couldn't understand what I did wrong. I was blaming myself. He was around my brother's life for his first three years till I got here, and now he's not here. I thought it was something I did wrong. But no, nah, it's not. It's not. People couldn't even talk about him around me because I would get so frustrated. But now I'm going about speaking and doing everything I feel God has told me to do. I remember my pastor told me, so you're going on speaking and talking about change and forgiveness? You haven't forgiven your biological father? Where they do that at? And I was like, whoa, you know how sometimes you just get hit with something. It's like, oh, ouch. I felt that one. And it took me a long time to get to this point. Now, that's the thing that I want to stress. There's things in your life you know you got to improve and change at. You know you got to get better at. But sometimes you tell yourself you got to get it better in like a couple of days or a week. It takes time. It takes time. Just make sure you're working at it over and over and over. It took me a long time to get to this forgiving. When I got saved, I still wouldn't forgive him. It took me years after that. But every Father's Day, every birthday I had, me and my brother, had, he, he would come up. And there would be anger and frustration I had towards him. I had to get that off my shoulder. I finally listened to my wife when she told me to call him. Husbands out there, I just feel like we just got to eventually. My wife, I swear, she says, if you just listen to me right away, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll waste so much time on so many things we got going on. Like, you listen to me later. Why don't you just listen to me right away? Maybe I want to feel like I'm coming up with it. Like, I know what you're saying is right, but maybe there's a different way I want to go till we get to that. Why you don't listen to me? Like, those are the things that's going on. But I listened to it, and I made that phone call, and it was the hardest phone call I had to make. Didn't pick up, left a message. To this day, I don't know if he got it. I don't know if it's his right number. But that's something I had to do for me, my heart, and my spirit, and my faith. Because God heard that. I heard that. I let him know that I'm praying for him. Definitely every Father's Day, because every Father's Day, not only with my kids, but he comes up. There's at least a two minutes every Father's Day that for some reason he's in my mind. And then once he comes up, I pray for him. I don't know where he's at and what he's doing. But I'm praying for him, that he has a relationship with God, that God is somehow using him. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing. I hope everybody is really, really getting that. Because there's a there's storm and there's things that we all go through. Whether it's big or whether it's little. We're all going through something. But you are not alone. The scripture says with two or more gathered, there's power. Two or more gathered, there he is. We're all gathered here right now. So don't be afraid to say you need help. Don't be afraid to seek that. Because he's there for you. Other people are there for you. I don't know who I'm talking about. I have a feeling somebody is struggling with forgiveness. Somebody is not being 100% truthful of things that's going on in their life. And until you get to that point, you're going to keep on going through the same thing over and over and over. Until you make those changes. And you got to do that and you got to understand that. The basketball stuff was great. I got to play against Shaquille O'Neal, 7-1, Miami Heat Shaq. That was like 360-370. I had to play against and with LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Allen Iverson gave us 48 points. 
I got to play against players who I have pictures on my wall. But let me tell you something. That doesn't come nowhere near to what I'm doing right now for God. It's not even close. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart. When I was in the NBA, I had no relationship with God. I wouldn't do nothing without that relationship. God calls me back later, great. He doesn't. I just want to follow what he's calling me to do. And this is what he's calling me to do. I'm just trying to be Christ-like. That's what I love about Pastor Charlie so much, man. If only y'all really understood everything this man does every single day. Just trying to be Christ-like. Just trying to give. Trying to be loving. Trying to be supportive. Trying to give back. We need more people like that. We got to ignite that in us. So I truly, truly thank y'all for giving me this time. It's been an absolute blessing. I just want you all to know and really understand that when God is for you, who can be against you? Thank you. Hey, crying out loud. Amen. Isn't it encouraging and powerful when you hear someone's story? When you hear how God is using someone to bring glory to himself? Fun fact. Who likes fun facts? Fun fact. The God of this universe wants to use your story to bring glory to him. See, you can't use Chris's story. He has given you your story to use. For more information about the ministry of Anchor Oneana, visit us online at anchoroneana.com.